Happy National Canadian Film Day, everyone. Happy National Canadian Film Day. We are watching a Canadian movie. We are. That may be really weird. That is definitely really weird. <laughs> we are also going to talk about how Canadians don't really watch Canadian movies. Yeah, and why is that? Let's find out. Today, on Banquet at the Flum Dumpster. Shield your eyes or put your sanity in slumber. Curiosity's killing you no longer. Feast your senses on something more palatable. Squeeze in with the clutter for an episode like no other. Pick straight from the gutter here. It's almost never lackluster. Sit right down for supper at the banquet at the Flum Okay. Okay. I have a problem. You do? I have a problem. Yes. I have half of a sandwich with jam on it. Okay. Do you have any solutions that you would recommend? I do. Oh. But. Oh. It will take you an hour and a half to find out what it is. Okay. And. Oh. It's a Canadian movie. Oh. Is this a teaser or? A... I have no idea. You asked me to start, so I just I I I have no bear. I know nothing about this movie. I just bet you could just say welcome, but okay. Okay, welcome. <laughs> Here we are today watching a movie that I know nothing about, other well, than it has peanut butter and it's Canadian and it might be animated and it's from 1985. Well, I can tell you, um, I've deliberately asked you not to find out about it because you have from f- from what I know about it, mm-hmm. this is gonna be a weird one. Ooh, not a bad one. Oh, a lot of people like this movie. Okay, but it has been described as trauma-inducing <gasps> for children. Okay, this sounds um, promising. That's all I'll say about it for now, but. Um, it is, of course, National Canadian Film Day, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, that is why we're watching a Canadian film. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is on the spotlight for that organization's list. So hence, we should definitely watch it today. Of course. Yeah. Um, also, it's a bit of history around Ooh. what this film is. Okay. Uh, this is This is part of a series called Tales for All, which were like all from the same production company, the Production de la Fête, Mm. um, where there were, like, kids' movies that were, like... Trauma-inducing? I I don't want to say that exactly, but this is the second one, and the first one is The Dog Who Stopped the War, or La Guerre des Tucs. Okay. Um, And spoiler alert for that movie, it's, it's very, very happy... Until the dog dies. Oh. <laughs> Which is just so traumatizing for me as a child. But does the dog stop the war? Yes. But by at what, dying. <laughs> but at what cost? 
Exactly. It is. Yeah. It is. Yes. Um, but it also had a lot of, you know, fun ones like uh, La Grenouille et la and Paquet Botine. And most of them, most of them I saw in French. But uh, this one I, I somehow missed, which I, I, I guess past me, you're welcome for missing <laughs> that. Um, because you, you saved yourself from that trauma. <laughs> um, but I did watch the other one that this director did, which was Tommy Tricker and the Stamp Traveler, which is a delightful kids movie. I have no idea if it holds up, mm-hmm. but very fun. Um, and so I have high hopes for this one. I have no hopes or expectations of any no kind. No hopes? I don't I know anything about it. I just told you were watching a trauma-inducing it. kids movie okay, well, from the 80s that's I, Canadian and you have no hopes? I hope for trauma, certainly, but I Good. still don't feel like I know anything about this movie. I'm staring at the very first frame right now, and I don't know if what I'm looking at is the start of a logo or if the whole thing is going to look like this, and I don't want you to tell me what the answer to that question is. Okay. Well, I think there's only one way to find out. I think I agree. I think I need to watch The Peanut Butter Solution from 1985. Yes, that is the solution to not having seen the movie, yes. Yeah. But is it the solution to not having enough peanut butter? I don't think that that's what the issue in this movie is. But I feel like my problem right now is that I don't have enough peanut butter. I don't know if that's going to help you with this because I, Jared, I, but, I hate to tell you about movies. Um, but it, it's so it's if it's called... in the screen, uh huh, it's not going to help your sandwich. But I need peanut butter and I, I want, I know, peanut butter. I know. Um, but it's not real. This isn't the metaverse. I don't know if you know this audience. Jared lives most of his life in the metaverse. Um, I don't know if I want to claim that for myself. Because that, that just sounds even more sad than my own real life. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to go process emotionally what you have said the to revelation. me today. No, I'm I'm gonna go get some peanut butter, and then okay. we can watch this movie. Cool. I'll wait. Okay. Remain on the edge of your seat. In a moment, your hosts will return with the fruits of their suffering. Every last thought that is currently buffering too. Their opinions will now debut. So, that was, uh, that was, sorry, I've got a lot of peanut butter in my mouth. You're not meant to put it in your mouth. You're meant to put it on your head. On your head, Jared. What? Does that mean... Does that mean I'm gonna grow hair in my mouth? I guess it does. Um, this this was as weird as promised. Uh, and I committed way too hard to that joke that was never funny to begin with. 
Um, no, this 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 movie, I um, I I knew a little bit about the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, are you glad that I I asked you not to? Cause... I'm I'm definitely glad because that was a wild ride. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm just gonna like say just right now, just a bit of spoilers coming ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, I recommend you watch this movie. It's genuinely a lot of fun. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah. Um, so go into it blind if you can. But if you're just here and you've already seen it. Here's how it goes down. Okay, give us give us a quick summary in because we need to have a quick summary to talk yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so it starts, but with be, like the, under a minute, under a minute. Yeah, yeah. It starts with these two kids, Michael and Connie, who go to a haunted house. Michael gets something called the fright, which is this curse that makes him lose all his hair. Um. <laughs> He is, after not being able to grow back the hair, he's visited by two ghosts of homeless people he helped earlier who (laughs) apparently died. Um, And at that point, they give him a solution to his hair loss, which is this magic potion that involves a little bit of peanut butter. But she's like, don't put too much peanut Mm -hmm. butter. Um... Then he, of course, puts too much peanut butter because it was runny and he didn't want hair all yeah. over. Like, th- she warned him, like, you don't want hair on your hands and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so he puts way too much peanut butter and therefore he grows way too much hair. Mm. Like, just a, like, like, six feet per day type of <laughs> hair growth. Like, he's, he's, he becomes a monster. Um, his friend Connie, of course, has hair, but wants pubic hair, so he also uses the peanut butter solution. <laughs> These kids and... are like ten, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was the one part that I didn't know about. <laughs> that caught me off guard. Um, I think that but... caught everyone off guard. I think that even our listeners who hear this episode and then watch the movie will be caught off guard by that moment because yes. it's very odd. But yeah. continue. Yeah, because then it gets weird. <laughs> then it gets weird. Then it gets weird because all of a sudden, this plot about this guy with a, like a, an incredibly large amount of hair shifts into... Uh, kidnapping plot line where this disgraced art teacher who verbally abused his students um, decides that he's going to just start kidnapping the students including our main character Michael Mm -hmm. whose hair of course can make magical paintbrushes that this disgraced art teacher can then use to entertain the children he's kidnapped (laughs) with magical paintings that all feature the dog that he just really loves. (laughs) And I just want to put a little emphasis on that because, yes, he kidnapped a bunch of kids, but I was really into how much he loved his dog. (laughs) Anyways, um, I like we don't need to quite go any further than that because that's the weird part about (laughs) it, that halfway through it just shifts into a whole different movie. Um, And... There's really, this is what I wanted from Cybermutt. 
Yeah. Like, like that was one that we went into thinking, okay, this is going to be a weird TV movie, t- like, for kids. Mm-hmm. And it was a completely bland, normal movie for kids. Yeah. If you're going to make a movie like this, make it this weird. This was great. I think there's also something to be said, and this is what stood out to uh, me about the peanut butter solution, um, is... The kind of the softness of the tone of the movie, if that yeah. makes sense. Like there's a not quite meditative quality about it, but it's it's very like calm and slow and like I like that that scene where the the kidnapper has like twenty children hostage in a warehouse and he's painting a picture for them. It 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 was just strangely calming. Yes. And it like in a way that shouldn't be. It shouldn't when be. When he's kidnapped 20 <laughs> children. But like it, there's 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 a quality about children's movies today where they feel like they need to keep up with the pacing of TikTok. Or the pacing mm-hmm. of, like, uh, like there, there's the assumption that children today have low attention spans and therefore the movies that they watch need to move at, like, a mile a minute. And there's something so relaxing about a movie like this that's just willing to take it slow, meander through its plot that doesn't make any sense, <laughs> and then wrap itself up in a very tight little happy bow and just let us assume that that one child still has comically long pubic hair. Because <laughs> it never resolves. Because that. that's the only thing that doesn't resolve. Um, it's, it's just, it's, it's incredibly surreal, this movie. But it's yes. also very pleasant and comforting while also being trauma fuel at the same time (laughs) yeah like i can really see why this has like a cult following which it does like it's 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 one of those like movies where i can imagine a kid watching this going to all their friends Mm -hmm. and telling them about this movie and nobody believing them (laughs) i can imagine this being a movie that you had I think we talked in the um the episode on the magic in the mirror about yeah. like the movie that you have on VHS as a child that yes. nobody else has heard of and it's yeah. just like your own thing. Yeah. And that feels like this could be that. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like this is the type of movie where like if you meet another person as an adult who had the peanut butter solution on VHS as a child, you're instantly friends with them. Because I feel like well, this movie scarred and transformed <laughs> anyone who watched it under a certain age in a in a truly profound way. And yeah. I envy the people who got to watch this movie as a child. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like of the Tales for All series, I think this is the most popular one. Like hmm. La Guerre de Tuc was remade as an animated movie recently which was one of the other movies in that series 
Um, which the character, of course, had a poster of on his wall, hmm. you know, because you have to plug your own movies. That's just the rule. <laughs> um, but I would love to see this movie get an animated reboot. <laughs> because, come on, that would be... That'd be that would be something. Actually, I don't know if it would. No, I don't want to be it. as. No, I, I think I think part of how weird it is comes is that it's from not animated. Yeah, like it. First of all, it doesn't need to be animated because, like, it, everything that it does can be executed in live action. It's like it's 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 a relatively simple movie to execute. But at the um, same time, it involves a lot of hair. Yeah, but like wigs like that exist. was a lot of hair. Wigs, wigs exist. Wigs exist. Uh, but that size wig? <laughs> what do you think the child actually grew his hair out for this role? No, but it, I think it had to be a custom wig. I don't think they just went to the shop and went that one, <laughs> the one that is like twenty feet long that drags on the ground. Yeah, like, but like what I'm saying is that like. It didn't need to be animated. Like, that was the most... No, that's true. ...logistically complicated part of this movie. And animating it wouldn't add any more whimsy that mm. isn't already there because everything about this movie is so grounded in reality. Yeah. And I just... Like, for my my sentiment about wanting that would only be to get more people to watch this one. Hmm. Because that's what I feel like it's it's kind of been lost other than those select people who had the privilege of watching this as a child. Yeah. And us now. Um, and you, perhaps, dear listener, if you followed our <laughs> advice. And you can watch it on Tubi in pretty high quality. Yeah, I was. Um, it looks pretty good. Um, yeah. I, I think that part of the other reason why this movie is lost a little bit is because it's Canadian and people outside yes. of Canada don't really watch Canadian content and people and inside, people of, inside Canada of Canada are afraid <laughs> to watch Canadian content yes. um, in a potentially irrational way. And I think that <laughs> something that's worth talking about that I realized I didn't bring up in part one, uh, Canadians have a really interesting and unusual relationship with our own forms of cultural production where we kind yeah. of inherently assume that something is going to be of worse quality because it's Canadian. Now, I will say, with the exception of music, where Canadian musicians have a lot of success both in and outside of Canada... But like TV stream Tarquin Alexandra on Spotify or Apple Music <laughs> or wherever you stream music. Yeah. <laughs> um, like TV and film, though, it's like. But like even then you say there's that there is that block. But even then you say Canadian music and is the first thing that you think of not Nickelback. I was thinking Drake. but OK. Yeah. <laughs> fair. Fair enough. Or The Weeknd. Or Justin Bieber, or you know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Celine Dion, the the <laughs> person who <laughs> gave the who, was, <laughs> who made songs in this movie. Um. But yes, I could do a full podcast, like not a podcast episode, but a full podcast about why 
Canadian film doesn't get seen. Um, because that's kind of my job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, but, like, for, for the context of this one episode of this one podcast, in the sense of how Canadian cinema or television is specifically undervalued for its cultural worth. Yes. Yeah. I have my guess, but you're the expert, so I want to hear from you first. Um, so there there is this long held perception that I think derives mostly from not generating the type of um high budget star driven films mm. that Hollywood built itself on. Um and there's also the fact that like if you look at how Hollywood started mm-hmm. with the studio system, there was all of this system in place to churn out so many movies that mm-hmm. it overwhelmed like the market gave was given everything that they would want mm-hmm. in those years and it's established, okay, here are stars, here are genres, here are the directors, this is what we're doing. Canadian movies then got started about like really in full force 50 years after that Mm. Uh, because there just wasn't the type of production here. Um, And I think that there's still not the same type of opportunity to make a Canadian produced high budget film that there is in the States. And you see that with so many Canadian actors getting big in the States and then like occasionally coming back to do a Canadian movie. Mm-hmm. Like, there are some exceptions. I would say Sandra O, oh, um, mm. you know, who actually had a lot of success both here and in the States and has gone back and forth mm. fairly seamlessly. But you look at Ryan Gosling, I cannot name mm. a Canadian movie with Ryan Gosling in it. Um, and it's like, people know that he's Canadian. Rachel McAdams. I'm not just picking stars in the notebook, but. <laughs> I mean, like, the the other thing that I would say is um, there's an expectation because of that that what you get from a Canadian movie is a small, like, family-driven story probably set in northern Ontario. Um, that About is... a young boy who loses all his hair. <laughs> <laughs> but, like... There's, like, a, a, a kind of impression that you get of, like, okay, that's what Canadian... It's, like, it almost falls into the category of people who are, like, yeah, I don't really like watching foreign films. And you're, like, okay, but if you're in Canada... <laughs> you're only watching foreign you're films. You're only watching foreign unless films. Unless you're watching Canadian <laughs> films. Um, um, I think that part of it, yes, is how the Canadian film industry took longer to develop. I think that that created a bit of a domino effect, though, because... Mm -hmm. Oh, it did, for sure. As a result of that, uh, when Canadian films are produced that aim for that, like, big blockbustery type uh, sense about them, of which I cannot name any off the top of my head, they don't really get seen or don't really work as well as a blockbuster because they don't have the financial backing behind them that American blockbusters do. And so, but they also become the more prominent Canadian films that people see and then come to associate with Canadian cinema. 
and that leads them to devalue Canadian cinema. I think that's one factor. I think that another mm-hmm. factor that results from uh, the factors that you were describing is the law in Canada that a certain amount of content shown on television or radio has to be like there has to be a percentage of Canadian content mm-hmm. on there at any given point in time. And yeah. I think that that the content that is played there or shown there is not always uh, content that has like a, a strong relationship to its audience. It's content that's designed to be there to fill that quota of mandatory Canadian content. And that also creates in turn the like looping association that like Canadian content isn't as good. I don't know about that. I don't know if it's necessarily that it, it doesn't appeal to the audience that it's going for it. Because like, if you're talking about Canadian television, you look at something like Murdoch mysteries Hmm. or, uh, and with an E Hmm. or even a show like sort of where they, they are like the CBC, those like, we're talking about the CBC basically, Mm -hmm. um, does make efforts to promote different shows that would appeal to different audiences. But at the same time, you're looking at, because they are just the one company and they're basically saying, okay, we're going to make all the television in Canada. Like there are other production companies that are doing stuff and that Mm -hmm. like, I'm not going to suggest that like, you know, um, the designated survivor isn't a fantastic Canadian TV show. Um, Wait, that's Canadian? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, the, um, uh, but like the CBC will only make one show that's like sort of, and it will only make, you know, 12 shows that are like Murdoch Mysteries because Murdoch Mysteries is, you know, timeless and excellent and everybody loves it. Of course. Uh, <laughs> I also want to clarify when we're talking about film that there is a big difference with what happens in English Canada and what happens mm. in Quebec. Yes. Because Quebec does everything that English Canada doesn't. <laughs> they have stars, they churn out movies, and the audiences go to see them. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of that is again, the financial structures given to production companies in order to flourish is, you know, much more substantial Mm -hmm. by, like, especially by a per capita basis. But also, um, I think that the language element of it definitely is a contributing factor where if you want to watch a Hollywood movie, you're going to watch it dubbed. If you want to watch Mm -hmm. a movie that's in French, you're going to go for something from Quebec. Yeah. Because they're making stuff in French and Mm -hmm. it's also appealing to you. Um, And it then has stars that you recognize. So they've basically made their own industry entirely in Quebec. And you might think, oh, well, those Quebec movies, they must do great in English Canada too. No. No. Quebec is a bubble. (laughs) No. Uh, (laughs) Um, There are crossover hits, but when we say hit... We mean like a a a flop by Hollywood standards um, yeah. in English Canada. But the the yeah, so I guess I guess 
we can say that like the the devaluation of Canadian cinema and television by Canadians uh it's mostly the result of external factors and not really would you say oh it's it's like there's a perception that like i i think that it's an important perception to break because it is no longer the case where there aren't good Canadian movies mm-hmm. that could have like, or like ones that are coming out consistently. Cause mm-hmm. there, there was definitely a, a long period where Hollywood was doing stuff and Canada wasn't. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of movies coming out now that are great. And if you look at like the Canadian screen awards and you watch their nominees, chances are you're going to see something that you're like, okay, this, this is on level with a lot of the movies I really like. A lot of my favorite movies when watching Canadian, like having watched a lot of Canadian movies, a lot of my favorite movies are Canadian. Um, yeah. But I think there's, there's, it's a long process to undo like a gen- generational mm-hmm. perception that has been formed. Yeah. Uh, so in conclusion, happy National Canadian Film Day. Go watch The Peanut Butter Solution. And don't, I repeat, don't put more than two teaspoons of peanut butter on your head. No more. No more. Or. Or. Anywhere else. Definitely because not we anywhere saw what else. happened to Connie. It was a mistake. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. If the concept were to exist, that I'm to explain, which it doesn't. In hypothetical terms, every form of art has a bucket, a container to categorize the format and style, the grades and the run. The podcast that you've just consumed did the work for you by scraping the bottom. Hi there. Hope you enjoyed our very special random drop episode on the peanut butter solution for National Canadian Film Day. Uh, we are still working on another full season of this podcast, and we recorded a number of episodes that I have just not had the time to edit because that's the, the glamorous, the glamorous life of a PhD student is that you don't have any time. Uh, In the meantime, though, please pay close attention to our social medias for news about the upcoming season that will drop eventually. Uh, You can follow us on uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and TikTok. Uh, You can uh, follow Tarquin Alexandra on Twitter and Instagram at Tark Alexandra. That's T-A-R-Q Alexandra. Um, and if you want more of this podcast, if you want us to hurry it up, and by us I mean me, uh, you can, uh, tweet at us, you can comment on our Instagram posts, you can leave us a glowing, glowing review on Apple Podcasts or other podcast review thingies, you know, thingies. But that's all for now. Uh, and I will see you all again when I see you.